Hi everyone, it's time for episode three of the Ian's Tech Travels podcast. This time around, I'm looking at a topic that I'm always happy to discuss, which is sustainable investing. And by sustainable investing, I mean ESG, SRI, positive impact, ethical, and all the rest of the jargon around that. I mean, there's hundreds of terms, right? Um, the sustainable investment market has been taking off. Uh, I think you wouldn't know about that unless you were, well, the only way you wouldn't know about that is if you were locked in a box or something. Um, looking at Europe specifically, uh, a report from PwC last year predicted that ESG funds could increase their share of the European funds market from 15% to a figure as high as 57%. Um, the demand is driven by clients, but also by professional investors, uh, which is great, but it got me thinking. You know, this is tech travel. So what is technology doing to help professionals meet this demand? And it turns out that social impact experts, Worthstone, who I've known for years, have actually built an investment platform that helps us to do just that. So Gavin Francis, who, by the way, is managing director of Worthstone, uh, welcome to Tech Travels. Uh, are you ready to talk about tech and sustainable investing? Thank you, Ian. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to be able to contribute to this uh, podcast. Great. I mean, so Gavin and I know each other well. I should probably disclose that early on. We've met up over the last five years to talk about sustainable investing. Um, Gavin knows it's a part of the market I like to cover. He also learned pretty quick that I'll turn up anywhere where there's cake. So the meetings weren't hard to arrange. Um, so Gavin, I mean, for, for wealth managers and advisors who want to invest sustainably, um, is there actually much technology out there already? I mean, let's hold what you're doing for a second. You know, what's actually out there at the moment that can help you invest sustainably? For us, we we go to the main data vendors and we, funny enough, we've, we've uh, just concluded an 18-month analysis project, which was, was right across the world, looking at all of the data that's out there, all of the best mm. impact data that's out there. And, um, you know, there is a, there's more and more data being made available uh, by, by various data sources. Uh, some are huge global organizations and some are smaller niche uh, organizations. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of data out there. Um, and, you know, you really need technology to be able to sort through all of that data and bring it into a format that you can usefully use to present to to the advisor world i think the biggest challenge is um that for, from an advisor perspective or even a wealth manager perspective is is finding the right provider of information because there are so many data points that are available um it's it's about how the data is presented that i think for us was the most important factor um and as you know has been highlighted by you know a number of articles in the in the trade press one of the challenges is is the um conflicting uh insights conflicting information that that provides so the lack yeah. of correlation between a number of the data providers out there so it's important to understand the kind of methodology that goes behind those data outputs as well it's interesting you mentioned the data points and the dependability um maybe now's a good time to bring in the Worthstone investment impact portal um, Gavin, could you talk me through what it actually does? Um, and actually, before that, perhaps, what, what's inspired you to create this platform? So I think the, um, the inspiration comes from the fact that I've worked in the financial services industry now for over 30 years. And um, I just think that, you know, people, investors, wealth holders, are much more interested now than ever before in terms of 
what their money is actually doing as mm -hmm. you know beyond providing them with a safe and secure financial future which is ultimately the core uh, purpose for most of us to invest but our thinking around that has gone beyond that so we now recognize that um to generate a safe and secure future it's not just about the financial return that we can achieve but also making sure that we're investing in the right things and protecting the right things like society and the environment so that we've got a future that we can flourish in and that our future generations can flourish in because mm -hmm. we could have all the money in the world but you know if the society and the world uh, environment that we work in is completely broken it's going to be worthless to us um so i think that um my inspiration is is really helping advisors and clients um create a much stronger engagement with their wealth um and uh and for me personally uh, i you know i can't hide the fact that i want to see more uh private wealth channeled towards mm -hmm. the most impactful investments so that we can secure um, a safe future for future generations. Yeah, and just to clarify, um, before we go into the portal, like, you know, the, the workings of it, it is specifically impact that you're looking at, because we know there's a broad range, as I mentioned earlier, of ESG type strategies. Are you just looking at impact or are you looking at the whole range? Yeah, thanks for clarifying, Ian. That's a really good point. I mean, I use the catch-all term impact because my belief is that there, um, every investment has an impact. So there is no such thing as a neutral investment. We may not be aware of it. We may not be cognizant of it. We may, may not be conscious of it. But when we're investing, we're either going to have a net negative or a net positive impact on the world when we make that investment. Um, so my catch-all term is is impact investment because everything's either going to be net negative or net positive but it does include when i talk about impact i'm including the whole spectrum so starting from esg ethical sri all the kind of labels the alphabet soup that you kind of mentioned at the start of the mm -hmm. podcast all of that goes into the mix and we're looking at that entire spectrum because we don't want to we're agnostic about where a, a client ends up investing on that spectrum and they may want a bit of of all of that um, it, it's, it, it's actually down to the individual to decide what their impact objectives are, as well as their financial objectives, and whether they need to dial up or down on the, you know, towards the ESG end, or dial up towards the more impact end. Um, and that will be a ratio between what their financial return or financial objectives are and their impact objectives. Gotcha. Um, that's pretty comprehensive. So, so the, the portal itself, in a nutshell, I'll, uh, you know, you haven't thrown your wallet at me, Gavin, but I'll let you do the elevator pitch. So <laughs> what is it that it does for the advisors and wealth managers listening? You know, what, what is the point of this thing? I think, you know, we work on, on the basis that we've spoken to literally thousands of advisors and understood what the, their challenges would be in this area. And the starting point for, for most advisors is, well, what's in the space? So we call that the universe. What, what funds are they actually looking at that might be in this universe? And, and, you know, most advisors, if they're constructing a portfolio, they need to have a defined and comprehensive universe to start with. Mm -hmm. So we, we take the 56,000 funds that exist in the market and we create a defined universe, which is that impact spectrum. Mm -hmm. The way we do that is we say, has a fund got a specific objective in this area? And is that articulated in their objective statement in the fund, fact sheet, et cetera? Um, 
if if they don't, even if they say, look, everything we do is impact or everything we do is ESG, which is a common term now that a lot of asset managers are saying, you know, everything we do is ESG. Well, we need to see that in the objective because otherwise we don't feel that the fund manager is accountable to mm-hmm. achieve that and that uh, there's more intentionality if someone has actually stipulated that in their in their mm-hmm. objective. So that's the starting point is to create that that universe. Now, we believe that there are approximately 320 funds that are available to UK retail investors that have um, that stipulated in their objective, something around ESG, ethical SRI, impact, sustainability, whatever the terminology is that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, we think there are 320 funds that exist on that spectrum, and we've identified those funds. And then what we do is we analyze all of those funds on a number of building blocks. So we have a holistic approach to this. Our rating, we rate all of those funds. So the advisor can basically scope the entire, a comprehensive range of of investments in this universe, um, screen them based on Mm -hmm. their clients' requirements. And we provide building blocks to enable them to do that, which include things like um, avoidance of harm, uh, carbon risk, positive impact, ESG, and the active agent score, which is how the uh, asset manager is behaving and whether they're walking the walk or not. Um, So we give them all those building blocks to be able to screen the universe and then to be able to rank it because we give it a composite rating at at the end of that. So effectively, we're providing them with all of the insights they need to make those decisions about what could go into a portfolio that meets their clients' requirements. Great. That's that's a good elevator pitch, but I am going to assume we met at the top floor of the Shard there, Gavin. But um, (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, Look, I I actually want to ask you another question, um, which is, there's a report published by the Landcat earlier this year. It was called Crossing the ESG Event Horizon, a survey of 316 advice professionals uh, last autumn. It found 40% of those said there's lots of work needed to make information available on platforms when identifying ESG credentials of existing holdings. Um, it also found that 41% of respondents said the tools provided uh, by platforms for ESG research needed big improvement, with only 1% of people saying that it's in a great place. So to what extent do you think you're fixing the problem, Gavin? You know, do you think this makes things a whole lot easier? Is, is that the point? It, it, makes, it makes it possible. And, and our objective, our mission is to go from making it possible to making it um, as easy as possible. So uh, I, don't, I don't think that this is an area that's, that could ever be looked at as, as, as easy. Um, I think there is additional work required. And I think there's a lot of, in, uh, at the outset, there's a lot of investment in terms of understanding the space, understanding what the what signals you need to be looking for um how the space is differentiated so what what's the difference between an esg fund and an impact fund mm-hmm. you know what what what's the difference in intentionality um what what are the potential differences in the outcomes so i think there is a an investment of time that's required and, and an education piece that's that's also probably missing at the moment but mm-hmm. i think if we can present the data in the right way, that will help the education piece, that will help to inform people and they'll feel more confident about the area. So I think that's the other big thing is that the confidence at the moment's missing because people don't feel like they understand it. Yeah, and, and do you think there are you know, natural limitations? I mean, you mentioned earlier that 
there's only so much of the market that you can cover. I can't remember how many funds you said were available, Gavin, if you can remind 300. me. 300. So yeah, it's, it's a small part of the market, right? Um, uh, you know, and there's data that underpins it. It's possibly quite hard to find. So how do you work with that? And, and are you engaging with fund managers to, to kind of make all that information more accessible? So we're a completely independent service. So, so our ratings and um, all of the assessment that we do we don't take any payment from, from the asset managers because we think that's really important to be completely objective and to, to manage out any potential risk of conflict of interest. We've decided to, to not take any payment from asset managers, but take a payment from the advisors themselves. So we, we're sitting on the same side of the table as the, as the advisors. Um, and the other key part to that was we felt that the advisors, you know, that good data, quality quality data is the lifeblood of the investment business. Um, and it's, it's no different on the impact side. But yeah. data needs to then be comparable, as well as being high quality. So in order for data to make sense, you've got to have a big enough data set. So that's why we cover the 300 funds in the universe. And that's why we don't take money from asset managers, because you have to be able to cover those that entire universe. Yeah. In, a, in a complete, in, you know, in exactly the same way. So, you know, taking money from from asset managers wouldn't wouldn't work in that scenario. So, you know, ultimately, we are working with a number of asset managers because obviously, asset managers want to be listed on our platform if they've got appropriate funds. Because more and more advisors are using our service, and they're saying to the asset managers, you know, if you want to be chosen in our portfolios, you need to be rated through the Worthstone process. So I mean, can I jump in on something there as well? Because you mentioned this data and I can imagine ESG sustainability data is harder to gather than, you know, straight up financials. So how, how do you make sure that the data you receive stays up to date? Is it possible to, to make use of data highways, APIs, that sort of thing to, to keep things relevant when you're looking at factors that might be more, more judgment based than just numbers? Yeah, and, I, and that's a really, really good point, In So basically, our, our portal's updated on a quarterly basis. So we get from, we've, we work with a number of global uh, data sources, and we're getting a monthly up, update um, on all of the data that's coming through. Um, but obviously, that data, uh, you know, there's a, there's a chain there, isn't there? So the, obviously, the asset managers need to be updating people like Lipper, um, you know, the there's obviously data behind that with the companies they're investing in. So the holdings that they hold within their funds, mm -hmm. um, you know, how good quality is the data that's coming from those companies in reporting in these areas, like on the ESG credentials or the impact credentials. So there are big global organizations. There's an organization called the World Benchmarking Association, which is working really hard at looking, working with corporates, global corporates, the top 2000 global corporates in terms of their reporting. So there's a whole stream, um, you know, that needs to be flowing through in terms of the data and how frequently that's updated. And, you know, at the moment, there are some inconsistencies there. But what we noticed in our 18 month project was that the um, the market has moved on quite considerably. There's um, what's really exciting, what's really positive is there's a lot of competition from the big data providers as well. So they're constantly developing their products, developing the insights that they can gather from those products. Um, and they've got the resources to do it because obviously they, they've got uh, large um, research teams 
um, that are working with yeah. all of these organizations. And Gavin, do you think you can get to the point where, you know, you're saying 300 uh, funds on the platform or 300 plus funds on the platform, you know, what are the limits of this? Do you, do you think it's possible to get to a point where you've got thousands of funds on there? Um, or is it only going to be something that's compatible with the people who's reporting is of the highest standard? Yeah, and no, I, I think, um, again, that's a really, really good point. It's, some, it's, it's something that we were factoring in in our process in terms of how do we make this scalable? Because, you know, in, in reality, if you look back at those stats that you were talking about from the Lancat and PwC, I think it was the Landcat report where they said um, within five years, 50% of client assets will be invested in, mm -hmm. in ESG funds. So if, you've, if you're looking at it like that, what's going to happen? The asset management industry are going to be launching more and more products in this area. Um, there'll be what's happening at the moment is they're rebadging a lot of their existing products along mm -hmm. these lines as well. So for us, we've got to have the capacity to be able to extend the analysis that we provide over a much bigger universe um, so we've built that we've built that capacity into our process but just to give you a, a kind of sense of the the scale of it we're taking in approximately 300 data points across 300 funds and mm -hmm. updating that on a quarterly basis so that that gives you a kind of a, a bit of context in terms of the size and scale of, of the undertaking. Mm -hmm. And as that universe grows, obviously, you know, the work involved in that is going to, is going to increase. So that's why you need the scale scale. And also you need the technology to be able to scale all of that and then refine mm -hmm. it down into those data outputs that we produce to make it really easy for the advisor to engage and work out basically what's the most impactful fund in this area on these three scores or five scores. Um, but the other thing just to, to, I just wanted to follow up on that particular point mm -hmm. was that um, it's, it's all about, like you said earlier, this sort of making it easier for advisors. There's, there's two levels from a sustainability perspective. There's reduction of risk by not exposing yourself to unsustainable practices. Mm -hmm. um, so reducing the volatility, the potential volatility uh, over the future as carbon risk and things like that are priced into the market. And then there's the values element as well, um, which is potentially um, more quantitative. So you, it's really hard to scale the quant stuff um, so sorry the qualitative yeah yeah it's really it's really hard to to scale the qualitative as the market grows um we use we use web scrapers and things like that to pull in data from surveys um but we've we've noticed the limitation of that because if you've got smaller asset managers who aren't completing um surveys to the same extent that the the big houses are there could be a bias in your data as well. So you've, you're always looking for the biases that are coming through in the data. Um, and it's really hard to automate that through technology. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so to move on to the kind of last part of this, Gavin, and maybe to ground it in a bit more optimism there, what, what, what do you think is next for sustainable investing in technology? Is there a particular service or app or something like that, that you think could really, you know, really help drive these funds into sustainable investments? Yeah, I think, I think there is um, a potential in the short term to create something which 
makes it so i think that a lot of financial planners and advisors and wealth managers recognize that this is a movement this is kind of a wave that is not going to be stopped like you know it's just the way that cons that consumers are thinking now this is just moving in one direction um but what we've got to be able to do is deliver a straight through solution that is really simple and straightforward to implement within a practice so um, I think we need to remove all the complexities of an, an analysis and and um, the deployment of the of the capital and make that a straight through process. So from discovering your client's objectives in this area, being mm -hmm. being able to weigh up the the um, uh, the, the balance between managing the risks from the volatility perspective and achieving the impact objectives. Mm -hmm. and then taking them straight through that journey to creating a risk optimized portfolio which mm -hmm. is which is generating positive net positive impact and then being able to report on that on a regular basis and that all done you know through a platform so that it's frictionless that whole process is frictionless and that the experience for the investor for the client is exceptional from the point of view that they can um see exactly where their money is deployed what impact that's having and for that to be contextualized to them in a way that they would understand mm -hmm. so that their engagement throughout the process is at the is at the highest level and it and it then enriches the relationship between the advisor and the client yeah so it's essentially about put it in maybe more techie terms you know ux user experience and interfaces that people can engage with people can use them in a straight straightforward and simple way right so yep the data is complex yes the data is ever changing going on behind the scenes but i guess in essence you could theoretically get a position right where a client fills in a fact find and part of that could be their their ethical views their sustainability views and, and theoretically, you could then build them a portfolio around that. I mean, is that something you can do now? Can you actually build a portfolio around someone's um, views on sustainability? Yeah. So we, with the tools that we offer on our on our platform, enable you to be able to do that. Um, but the advisor is building that portfolio, and and where I think it needs to go is that those are kind of almost ready-made off the shelf. Um, but I, the point I forgot to mention, which is really critical in all of this. And this is where technology is really going to enable this to happen is they have to be dynamic. So, mm -hmm. you know, whenever you're looking at it, at whatever point in the day, whatever time your client, you know, wants you to, to have access to that information, it's got to be up to date. It's got to be current. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's the critical part. And that's where technology is the enabler is, is to bring that uh, dynamic insight into um, a snapshot of what's happening at that point in time. Mm -hmm. well, well, Gavin, look, thank you for that. Thank you for joining Tech Travels. Uh, great to catch up with you as always. No tech, no cake this time, but but a good chat anyway. Uh, and keep doing what you're doing. It's you know it's exciting to see the sustainable investment area grow. Uh, and also for everyone listening, like, thank you for being with us. And do join me for episode four with David Stamp, the advisor with two thousand clients. <laughs>